and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Wolf Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you haven't clicked that follow or subscribe button, go ahead and do so. New episodes come out every single Wednesday. You're going to want to check it out. Don't forget to also follow me on Instagram at SpeakAdogCast. And hey, if you're a regular listener and you love what you're hearing, don't forget to leave me a review or click that five-star rating. Now, I do apologize to my regular listeners. Last week, there was no episode. It's not normal. Uh, it was unexpected. We kind of had some technical issues <laughs> mixing in with <laughs> life in general, guys. I think a lot of people out there can relate. It's just been a little stressful, a little crazy lately. And sometimes some things just got to give, right? Uh, you know, and I, <laughs> I I owe everybody apologies with my Instagram. I'm so behind, guys. I owe you guys so much content. So just be a little patient. Hang in there with me. I, I'm going to bring some great content coming. We're getting it up there. Um, just been a little busy, a little crazy, and uh, a lot of just a lot of things going on. Uh, so I apologize not getting that episode up last week. Like I said, it's just it was a little unexpected and just oh man, need to take a deep breath. <laughs> I think that's what I need a deep breath and a vacation or two. Um, all right, well hey, let's let's not talk about that. Let's talk about today's episode. Yes, first segment we've got today is solving separation anxiety. Lots of people got it. Uh, the dogs and the people, right? <laughs> We're going to talk about how to get rid of that those anxiety issues with your dogs. Then comes a segment called Who Let the Dogs Out? You. You did. Listen in and see what that's all about. Then we'll have the Breed of the Week followed by the listener Q&A. If you guys have questions for the listener Q&A, dog-related, training-related, animal-related, you can send it on over my way. Email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Feel free to reach out to me uh, Reach out to me on social media as well. More than happy to see if we can't feature that question on the podcast. But before we get going with today's show, got to give you that trivia question. And today's question is going to be, what is the only mammal that can't jump? Yes, what is the only mammal that can't jump? I'll give you the answer somewhere in today's podcast. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, solving separation anxiety. Separation anxiety with dogs is probably at an all-time high, if I had to guess. And hey, we all know why. I mean, let's be realistic. The past two years, we've all been home, you know, because of COVID, because of all this stuff. We've been working from home. We've been at home. But you know what? Obviously, the U.S., everybody knows the, the mask rules have now been lifted. So maybe some of us that haven't been getting back to work are all of a sudden getting back to work. Um, you know, a lot of us have, have gone back or, or we're doing this mixed mash of sometimes working at home, a little bit at home. A little, it, it's crazy. And it definitely, if it's crazy to us, imagine what your dog thinks of it, right? Like that's got to be nuts to them, especially if they spend two years where somebody is home like 98% of the time. And then all of a sudden everybody goes back to school and back to work and the house is empty back eight hours again, right? That's definitely going to throw them off. You know, we're all creatures of habit, but especially dogs. And in their, and, and maybe mean this with kindness, but in their simplicity of their thinking, the way they think, they it's it's definitely going to be a game changer for them when we have that much consistency of everybody's here, everybody's here, everybody's here, everybody's not here. That's huge, you know? And so it's no surprise that I'm getting phone calls for dogs with separation anxiety. You're reading articles about it, I'm sure. And it's not only puppies. You know, that's the interesting thing. 
Sometimes it's the six-year-old dog who has had no separation anxiety his whole life, all of a sudden now is, right? And again, it's because they went from a normal, hey, you know, maybe everybody goes to school, nine to five, whatever, for the first however many years, four years of its life, and then all of a sudden for two years, everybody's home, and then all of a sudden everybody disappears. I mean, really think about that, you know? So it's definitely going to throw our dogs off, and like I said, it's not just the puppies, but... Obviously, I mean, I, I would say even now, even with every, even even with the increase, uh, the increase in separation anxiety cases that I'm seeing, majority of them are still puppies. <laughs> majority of the issues with separation anxiety revolve around puppies. So, what can we do to solve separation anxiety? Now, there are a few things on this list. There's definitely a few things you have to actively do, but. With, you know, we'll talk about each of those things individually, but to me, we kind of have to start with talking about consistency, you know, and obviously everybody knows it. You've, you've heard it before when it comes to training your dog, it's all about consistency. And I mean, think about it, guys, it's anything in life, right? How do you lose weight and stay in shape? Consistent exercise. Um, you know, I need to do more of that. That's all right. Um, <laughs> I do get my long walks in, but I got to do more than that. Uh, but consistency, you know, and consistency in your walks. That's training too. So you have to create consistency all around, no matter what you're doing, leash work, crate training, just working basic commands, um, working distractions, whatever. If you're only tackling these issues you might be having behaviorally with your dog, if you're only tackling them once a month, once a week, you're not going to make progress very fast and you're sure as hell not going to make consistent progress. I mean, that's just the truth of it. You're just not. You have to be consistent to create consistency. Makes sense when you say it out loud, right? <laughs> you have to be consistent to create consistent. Duh. Um, so, <laughs> so that's the first thing we just we got to get out of the way. You got to be consistent with this, guys. And separation anxiety is, I think, I, I without a doubt, the hardest thing for a human being to be consistent with with their dog for some reason. And blunt truth time, time guys. Here, here it comes. Ready? Most likely, you created your dog's separation anxiety. Most likely. Now, maybe you have a rescue. You know, look, I rescued Nemo, my blue tick coonhound. He came to us with separation anxiety issues, some pretty severe separation uh, anxiety issues. So, yeah, you know, that he came to us like that. We didn't create that. Uh, but as I always say, while maybe we didn't create the problem, if I don't do anything actively to fix it, then I'm part of the problem. I'm only going to be making it worse, right? So from day one, we've been working on that. And he is night and day. Uh, night and day from where we started with with uh, with the separation anxiety. So again, you know, truth bomb time. I'm sorry, guys, but it's it is the truth. It really is. And I have this conversation a lot with my clients, and it's it's you know it's, it's a little delicate conversation sometimes. But with you guys, I'm just gonna hey, here it is. Uh, <laughs> you're most likely the cause, the root cause of your dog's separation anxiety. And so being able to create consistency opposite of that, right? You've created some really good consistency. If your dog has separation, you've probably created some really good consistency with that separation anxiety, haven't you? Yeah, unfortunately, it's true. So in order to undo that separation anxiety, you have to be consistent in the opposite direction. And I just, again, truth bomb, most people aren't willing to do that. They're just not. They're not willing to fully commit 
to changing their dog separation anxiety. Look, I, I was at an appointment tonight where it was a puppy and uh boot camp return and I take the dog back and the dog is anxious to see the owner. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really, really bad, but it, it wasn't great. I'll be honest. They knew it. You know, we, we, we talked through it. But that was one of the, you know, one of the things she said to me that sticks out is that she was saying, you know, I've heard from so many people that solving separation anxiety is really difficult. And my response to her was, for you or for the dog? <laughs> because the reality is, guys, and here's the first thing we're going to start on the list, tough love. That is the first way we solve separation anxiety is with tough love. Yeah. When your dog is anxious and you give them affection or you try to reason with them, which is giving affection, okay, it is, that's what they're interpreting it as, uh, because dogs don't reason. They don't, they don't reason, guys. They just don't. They can't. Their brains are not capable of it, okay? So if a dog is anxious and we give them affection, I've talked about this a little before, we're going to brush over it here, dogs are state of mind. So if I give affection and they're feeling anxiety, all I'm telling that dog is, hey, Keep doing that. Keep doing that, right? Again, go back and listen to some of my previous segments, guys, especially the ones on positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, punishment, really good stuff in there. We revisited a couple times throughout the podcast. I know we got a lot of episodes now, so scan through it um, because this is really important information because with understanding how reinforcement and punishment works, you can clearly see if a dog is anxious and you give them affection, you're going to increase their anxiety because you're saying, hey, Keep doing that. So if I have a dog that's scared, okay, now there's different levels of scared. Don't get me wrong. There's certain, as I've talked about, there's always exceptions to every rule and how we approach certain behaviors and things. But on, on the whole, if I have a dog who's fearful and they're trying to like, you know, coddle up on me and, 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 and try to touch me and push against me and I'm not mean about it, but I tell them, hey, no, go away. Like, give me some space. Give me a foot or two of space. You don't need to lean on me. You don't need your safety safe. You don't need a safety blanket. You can deal with it. You'd be surprised with a little tough love how easy it can be to get your dog's anxiety to just come down a couple notches, okay? If you look, if your dog has anxiety in general, which most likely they do <laughs> if they have separation anxiety, uh, yeah, I hate to say it, not the truth bomb. Um, <laughs> look, I, I should have mentioned in the beginning of the segment one of my famous, uh, uh, you know, uh, oh my goodness, brain is just shutting down tonight. Uh, one of my famous disclaimers. There's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> In that separation anxiety is a tough topic sometimes because, as I said at the beginning of this, you are most likely the root cause of your dog's separation anxiety. And look, I'm not judging you, I'm just being truthful, okay? Um, so yeah, you know, you've got to give some tough love. You have to tell them, Hey, I'm not going to reinforce that. I don't want to strengthen that behavior. I want you to be more confident. I don't want you to be fearful. And so in order to do that, you have to start with tough love. When your dog is feeling anxious, the worst thing you can do is reinforce it by giving affection. Okay. So very important detail there. It's the first one, right? Tough love, tough love, tough love. That's where it starts. Consistency first, but hey, that's a generalized rule in training. So uh, yeah, while that's kind of under the topic of separation anxiety, it's really going to begin with the tough love, guys. Okay. Second thing, 
exercise, 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 lots of exercise. If you're exercising your dog and they still have separation anxiety, guess what? Exercise them more. <laughs> that means you most likely have some high energy breeds or, or, you know, a breed that's bred for some very specific tasks. And maybe you're not fulfilling this task, the fulfilling their instinct and they get anxious and that's where the separation is. So exercise can really really help solve a lot of your issues with separation anxiety, guys. That's one of the biggest ones too. Yes, the tough love, but we need some exercise. You got to get out and go for a good walk. Again, go check out some of my previous segments. Got a lot of great segments that talk about the walk. There is a right and a wrong way to do the walk. Make sure you're doing it the right way. Don't forget, guys, walks are 85% mental, 15% physical. Make sure you've got your dog on a mentally engaged walk because that's what's going to make the difference, okay? Yes, I want to get their physical level down, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, can't stress it enough. Got to get that mental uh, energy down as well. Look, a dog that's mentally exhausted and physically exhausted, the second like a trigger comes up for their anxiety, they're going to go, eh, I'm too tired. Now I'm just going to go back to sleep. <laughs> a tired dog is a happy dog. Okay. And of course, a happy dog is a happy owner. Am I right? Um, so exercise guys, proper walks, create that good exercise. Now you can also go for, you know, you can also play with your dog. There's nothing wrong with that. However, playtime is never going to be a substitute for a walk. It's a supplement to the walk. It is never, ever, ever a substitute. Okay. Throwing a tennis ball in the backyard. Absolutely. Go swimming all for it. Frisbee time. You betcha. Um, all kinds of good physical supplements that we can bring to that. And your dog's going to love it too. So, Hey, why not? Right? So that exercise aspect guys, ugh, so important. Whenever I have a dog that come, look, anytime I bring a dog in for a boot camp to my care, anytime I bring a dog in, yeah, we have some little, you know, first day or two is a little bit of acclim acclimating to my environment, to my house, but we go for walks. Now, I have the advantage that we've got some nice quiet trails where there's not really, you know, there's no people, there's no houses, it's quiet. I, I can get some good exercise in without overstimulating them or overdoing it too much. However, you know, look, if you've got it, my, my point is when I bring the dog into boot camp, you know, we have to start with exercise. When I have a dog, it doesn't matter what the issue is with the boot camp, puppy, all the way through the aggression, anxiety stuff, it always starts with creating good exercise first because that's going to put them in a better state of mind. What did we just talk about? Walks are 85% mental, 15% physical. It puts them in a better state of mind. I can't stress it enough, guys. You have to walk your dog daily, consistently. Know your breed, know their energy levels, and make sure you're fulfilling them and getting those energy levels down. Really, I, I, I'm going to say it again. I can't stress it enough. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's going to be another big solution for that separation anxiety. Now, the next thing we have to talk about is a crate. Yes, a crate. Sometimes easier said than done. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's not, if you haven't trained a crate at a young age, sure. It's going to be a little more difficult. But the problem with not crating your dog that's anxious when you leave the problem with it is the dog is now going to work themselves up. If they have all the space of your house to pace and look out this window and look at that window and, and work themselves up, they're going to, right? That's simply put, they're going to work themselves up. So the crate allows us to keep a boundary, keep some rules in place when you're not there. Because when you're there, obviously you can actively create structure, boundaries, rules for your dog. But when you leave, all that structure leaves with you if you leave your dog out. That's why the crate is important. It puts that structure in place. And then, of course, if we have the anxiety issues, 
it's going to not allow your dog to work themselves up. Okay, so I, I can't stress it enough with the crating. It's such an important part. And look, side note on the crating real quick. Let's just talk about it for just a moment. Um, because I, I have people that go, well, we never crated a dog. We had a dog years ago and we never crated him. And, and fine, it worked back then. But guys, what's the harm in crating your dog? None. Because then if you eventually take the crate away and they're not in the crate, no harm, no foul. But there's a ton of things that could go wrong if you don't utilize the crate right now. Look, here's the easy, simple, simple example. Um, I'm going to one of my good friends has has his wedding this week. I'm really excited. And I got an Airbnb up there and I'm bringing my dogs with me. But guess what, guys? It's an Airbnb. It's a rental. It's not my place. I don't own it. And the rules are very strict that say... When your dog, if you're going to bring your dogs, you know, fine, deposit, whatever, pay the deposit. But um, but your dogs have to be created if you're not there. As they should be. It's not my home. They don't, you know, the owner of this home, they don't know me. They don't know if I'm a responsible person or not. Uh, sure, I can show more credentials to my responsibility with dogs more than the average person, right? Um, but at the end of the day, those dogs need to be created. They need to be created for me to rent this Airbnb. And I could give you 10 more reasons why you, the, it, down the road that your dog could potentially need to be created. And if my dog has never been created before and I go on this trip and throw them in a crate in a strange house, strange location, they've never been inside a crate, what do you think's going to happen? <laughs> it's not going to go so well, okay? So just throwing that out there as a side note, please train your dogs how to use a crate. Please, there's just so many reasons you should and if you don't want to create your dog in the end, you don't have to. I'm all, that's, that's my end goal. My end goal is to always get the dogs out of the crate. But when they need the crate to come back, man, does it make it easier if your dog already knows what it is. Uh, so throwing that out there. But the separation anxiety and crate training, they go hand in hand. They do. Okay. So if you're out there and you have a puppy and you're not committing to your crate training, I implore you, commit to your crate training. It's going, but my dog doesn't have separation. He sleeps right next to me. Huh? That's. I could give you a couple exercises to test and really see if your dog doesn't have separation anxiety, because I bet you they do. Maybe minor, but minor separation anxiety can quickly develop into major, can it? But if I do all these things, tough love, exercise, crate training, if a consistency, if I do all of these things, then I ensure my dog isn't going to have separation anxiety. But if you take away these things too early, if you have a lack of exercise, if you're not using a crate, if there's no consistency, right? If you take them away too early, it can become a problem. But overdoing it, overcompensating for a little while is not going to hurt anything. It's only going to make it better. It's the only That's the only bad thing that could come of it is that it gets better. That's not a bad thing. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So I can't stress it enough, guys. If you want to avoid separate, if, even if your dog doesn't have separation anxiety, you want to make sure it stays that way, crate your puppies, crate your new dogs. Okay. So let's just go into a little bit of detail really quick. Um, one other thing, let's say you're not leaving the house much. Like, let's say you're in that boat, right? You're still working from home and your dog does have separation anxiety. So when you do want to go out, when you want to go out to dinner, you can't because your, do your dog won't let you. <laughs> That's a problem. And you're not exactly leaving for hours at a time to be able to practice your dog being in a crate. So you actually need to actively crate your dog while you're home to rid of separation anxiety as well. That's if you're spending a lot of time at home and your dog is not spending any time away from you. 
you need to put them in the crate for an hour. Go for your walk, give them their meal, give them good stimulation, exercise, play, and then go put them in their crate. Let them go take a nap in their crate for an hour away from you. Put them in a bedroom, close the door, turn on a TV or something so there's some white noise, and take a break from your puppy and let your puppy take a break from you. That's healthy, guys. Your dogs should not really care when you leave. They should be happy to see you when you come home, but not overly excited, right? They, they shouldn't miss you to the point that they're whining and jumping and, oh my God, I missed you. I can't believe you were gone a whopping three minutes. This is amazing. No, <laughs> that's not healthy. That's not okay. I don't understand why people want their dogs to be anxious when they see them. I don't. I want my dogs to be happy, a little excited, not overexcited when they see me. Okay, um, so again, if you are home a lot because of working from home, your work circumstances have changed or what have you. Look, I do have a client, um, you know, their daughter, they, 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 she lives at home right now. She's working though. She's full-time working, but her schedule is in a different time zone. So it's, it's all, you know, they're, they're making it work, but somebody's almost always home. So we make sure that we're still crating the dog at times so he gets here. And he's doing great. He does great with the crate. He's no problem. Loves it. It's a great thing. Condition, he walks right in, gets his little treat all as well, right? And he's still puppy, still young. So we need to make sure that we're implementing this stuff. Over time, crate will disappear. But right now, especially because of their circumstances, they have to make sure that they are putting the dog in the crate. He is spending time in there. Uh, and with that said, guys, separation anxiety if your dog has separation anxiety, they shouldn't be sleeping in bed with you. For that matter, in my opinion, they shouldn't even be sleeping out of a crate. They should be in the crate. So we're creating that healthy separation and showing them it's okay. If your dog is a puppy, even more the reason your dog should be in a crate and not in bed with you. Guys, eventually, if you want your dog to sleep in bed with you, sure. But solve these behavioral problems first. Okay, I can't stress it enough. Um, don't give in to these things. If you have separation anxiety issues, solve them first. Then take the crate away. Then let your dog back in bed with you. Hey, maybe then you don't have to go for two hours of exercise every single morning. Maybe you can cut it down to 45 minutes to an hour, something more realistic. But for now, if you have these behavioral issues, you need to do what's necessary. Okay, so again, it starts with consistency, consistency, consistency. You have to have a ton of that. You just have to, okay? Everybody in your household needs to be treating this the same. The next thing we need to remember, don't baby our dogs, guys. Tough love if they have separation anxiety. I know it may not be what you want to do, but it's what you need to do. If they're pushing up on you, if they're trying to be all lovey-dovey and they're anxious and they're shaking, they're scared, give them a little push. Say, hey, no, a little push away. Okay, create some space, create some healthy separation between you and your dog. Okay, then comes the exercise, proper walks, definitely have to have a proper walk. We can also supplement good exercise like playtime, swim time, all the other stuff that comes with it. I'm all about it, but it's never a substitute for that walk. If you're already exercising your dog and they still have separation anxiety, increase that exercise in those walks even more, okay? Crate training, it's a must. It's an absolute must, whether we're sleeping, whether we're away, uh, adjusting our schedules and adjusting crating if we're home a lot, making sure our dogs are actually spending some healthy separation time away from us, okay? Uh, and rewarding that too, okay? Um, so there's a lot of things we can, we kind of have to hit it from a couple different angles. But to me, separation anxiety is one of those things. It's really not that difficult as long as you can stick to your guns, guys. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, be strong, tough love. Think like a parent. 
you know, think like a parent. Do you want your kid to be timid and anxious and scared every time you walk out of the room? No. You got to give them some tough parent love because it's out of love. You want your dog to be confident. You want them to be comfortable and you want them to be happy, not anxious. So it takes that love, but it takes tough love. Okay. So it's really not that complicated. As with everything with dog training, guys, I want you to always make sure you keep it simple. K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. Um, Make sure you're doing that and you'll be in a good place. But when it comes to that separation anxiety, hit it from a couple different angles, be consistent, and always give that nice, tough love to your puppy. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services, such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. on Speak a Dogcast, who let the dogs out? You. You did. (laughs) What could this segment possibly be about? Oh boy. All right. Disclaimer. I got to rant a little bit, guys. I got to rant a little bit today because I have had it. (laughs) I've had it. It, it. Weeks and weeks and weeks of this problem and I can't stand it anymore. It's driving me crazy. Who let the dogs out, guys? Why are there so many dogs off-leash in public places? What is going on here? First of all, where I live in the state of Florida, there are leash laws. You heard me correctly. Laws that actually state you have to have your dog leashed up in public places. Now, there's no asterisk next to this law that says, well, if you're in a state or regional park, you can take your dog off leash and just do whatever the hell you want and screw everybody else around you. Um, No, (laughs) no, there is not. Because, I I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure the last time I checked, a state and regional park is considered a public place. I don't know. It may not be anymore because of how many off-leash dogs I see in parks all the time now. So I have to apologize if I seem a little upset. (laughs) Because I'm, I'm over it. I am over it. And you know something? Here's the thing. I'll be honest. I would have zero problems with all of these off-leash dogs. Zero. I would have zero problems with all these off-leash dogs if every single one of these dogs actually listened to their owners. But none of them do, guys. And that's not fair. Excuse me. 3% of them do, guys. <laughs> I'm not, I wish I was exaggerating that number, but I'm not. Literally, of all of these dogs off-leash, only about 3% of them respond to their owners when they call them to come back because they see me with 6, 10, 12 dogs, all leashed up, mind you. All of my dogs are leashed up. 
Um, I, it's funny, I can handle 12 leashes, but these people can't handle one or two. Um, I know I'm professional, I'm being mean, but I, I, who's meaner here? Who's meaner here? I'm mean by being considerate, carrying poop bags with me, having completely leashed up dogs, and here comes a dog around the corner with no owner attached to it. Seriously, like these dogs just come around the corner, there's nobody there. It's not like the person's walking next to their dog off leash. Like, the dog is literally 100 feet out in front of their owner, and no owner is nowhere to be seen. That's actually what happened today, three times. Uh, <laughs> I wish I was joking. I am not. Um, so, look, guys, I know there's different states, and for that matter, I mean, I have, I have listeners all over the world, which is absolutely awesome, by the way. Uh, and, hey, I don't know all the leash rules and leash laws in every country and every county and every state and every—I can't. It's impossible. That would be ridiculous. So— I do understand that I might have some listeners out there going, David, what's the problem? We, we're allowed to walk dogs off leash in my state. Or I'm like, teach his own, guys. You know, I mean, really. But at the end of the day, if the dog is not behaving, that's really the problem. It's not, the, like I said, it's not the off leash part that I really have a problem with. It's the fact that the dog is not trained and not controlled. Okay. So here you have an owner out just acting like the park belongs to them and only them. And it's an issue. It'd be one thing if the owners rushed over and leashed up the dogs right away, but they don't. I'm not. They don't. Um, they just let these dogs just just come over and just start walking after me. You know, I've got how again how many? I don't know. I just I guess I I see the world a little differently. Where if I saw somebody who had six dogs and I have one dog and I knew my dog doesn't listen, I might try to run over there and leash up my dog or make some effort. <laughs> Guys, I could tell you just so many stories about when I'm out walking and random dogs just come around the corner or the owner's going, hey, hey, no, come, no, no, come, no, no, come on, no, come here, no, come on, come, no, come here. Actually, they're not even using the kissy noise. That, that's my that's my thing. Um, <laughs> no, come here. And the dog is just flat out ignoring them. And they just keep repeating the same thing over and over. Like, well, it didn't work the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth time. So maybe it'll work the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th. <laughs> you really think after eight times calling your dog and he hasn't come back, you think he's going to come back the ninth time? Like, jeez. <laughs> so I just, I don't know, guys. I don't know what to do anymore because it's like, it's making me insane. And not only the insane part, like, what about the liability standpoint? What? I don't know these dogs. I don't know these people. They could be aggressive for all the people or the dog. <laughs> what if? What if? What if my dog that's on leash? Like, what if I'm I'm a random person walking in this park, and I have a leashed up dog, and they're very well mannered, with the exception of I don't know a dog running straight at them and coming at them full throttle on their face. Their dog's gonna get bit, and then who's gonna get blamed? The dog who did the biting, even though the dog who did the biting's on leash and wasn't in the wrong. You see the problem here? Um, this is why it's just, look, I, I, I know, I'll hear it. People will go, well, I don't have a yard for my dog to run in. Guys, go to a dog park. There's plenty of alternatives that are safe for everybody, but it's not exactly fair if you don't have control over your dog to allow them in a public space like that and impede upon everybody else's space and time. You know, um, so I don't know. I just kind of had to rant about it today because it's just it's it's been very frustrating to me that people have become 
ignorant, selfish. I, I don't know what it is. I really don't. I, I think it's more the selfish side than anything. Um, and I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I am, but I'm not because I, how can I be sorry about this, this is ridiculous. Like we, if we have, whether you agree or whether you, whether you agree or disagree with me, the state of Florida has leash laws. Am I right? Yeah, I am. So I, I don't, whether you agree or disagree is a moot point in the state of Florida, because if you're out in public with your dog off leash, you're the one breaking the law and you're in the wrong, you know? Um, man, I know, I know, David, you're being negative and mean. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am. Look, I'll even ask, I've asked people straight up, Hey, can you please, can you please just leash up your dog? And they'll just ignore you and keep going. Won't even acknowledge you. They don't even say, Hey, screw you. No, I'm not going to. They just, <laughs> like, I'd almost feel, Oh, well, at least you responded. Um, <laughs> nothing, nothing. That's crazy. Um, so look, if you're one of those people, please, please, please leash up your damn dog. It's not rocket science here, guys. Somebody's going to today, today, guys, I'm out in the trail. I'm out on these trails and I mean, I'm out there. We're, we're out way down in the trails and I, I haven't seen a person for a good 20, 25 minutes at that point. And we come to this intersection where there's four different terrains, a big area. Um, and I go to turn right to go down this one trail and I notice Nemo's kind of reacting. I don't blame him. I look left and here's two German shepherds coming barreling down. Now, it took me a second, but I did notice there's a tennis ball that they're going after. But do you think I saw the owners? Nope. <laughs> two full-grown German shepherds coming around the corner with, and they stopped dead in their tracks and stared at us. And you could see they were thinking about it. What decision am I going to make right now? And we stopped. Now, again, I, luckily I know more of what to do than the average person in that situation. I just stopped. And I just waited and just watched him. Again, I don't hear an owner. I don't see an owner. Good 15 seconds go by. And finally they make the decision to just kind of turn and walk away. And all that time, which was probably a full 30 seconds of interaction, never saw the owner. Now, guys, aside from the fact, aside of all the stuff I've talked about, what about a person that's just hiking on the trails and they have a fear of dogs? What if it's a very specific fear, but I've heard it more often and I'm sure you have too. Fear of German shepherds. As an owner of those dogs, you're not doing the breed any good by doing that kind of irresponsible behavior. Whether your dog's listening or well-behaved or not, that's not right. It's just not right. I'm sorry. What about if I had been a person who was terrified of dogs? I'd probably never go out on that walking, hiking trail ever again. That stinks. And then it gives the dogs a bad name, right? So while I'm not trying to be bum and glum, I had to rant about this today because this has just been kind of building up for weeks and weeks and weeks and I've just been trying to ignore it and just keep walking, keep putting my head down. But the amount of rudeness and selfishness I've seen, I, I really just couldn't help but come on here and go, my goodness, what is wrong with people? Take responsibility for your dogs, guys. That's I ask you, please, be a responsible dog owner and give those breeds a better name. Give, your, give dogs a better name and a better reputation. Because as I hear all the people jokingly say, but it's the truth, isn't it always the humans, David? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is.
It's our breed of the week. This week's breed of the week is the Redbone Coonhound. The Redbone Coonhound is a member of the Hound Group, and they come in weighing from 45 to 70 pounds. An even-tempered, mellow, but determined dog, the Redbone Coonhound is an all-American original breed. They are a medium to large dog with a striking red coat. Now, the Redbone is a sweet and lovable dog that does great with kids and families. But as with coonhounds, they can be a vocal dog, so you better live on some land or have some very understanding neighbors. Now, if the trait isn't desired, it is important to try to train them from a young age to learn to stop. Uh, maybe a little easier said than done sometimes, though. <laughs> they require minimal grooming with their short, durable coats and are always ready for any adventure. However, like any of his coonhound cousins, in between hunts, they're more than happy to lounge about on the couch napping. The Redbone uh, red Coonhound, it's an intelligent, highly intelligent, and high-energy breed. So, of course, a lot of exercise and mental stimulation is required to keep these dogs happy. Now, an unexercised Redbone left to their own devices, they can become quite destructive. But put to work, they're an excellent choice for hunters who want a dependable and capable trailing dog. The Redbone Coonhound, they tend to be a very healthy dog. With large ears, though, owners do want to take special care to make sure they stay clean and free of debris. Kept in good health, the Redbone Coonhound can live to be 12 to 15 years old. The Redbone Coonhound is a relatively young dog breed. They descended from red foxhounds brought to the United States from Scottish immigrants in the late 1700s. By the 1800s, hunters were looking for a dog with a hotter nose that was also faster at locating and training raccoons. The whole purpose of the coonhound breed is to quickly locate and tree animals. The Redbone specifically became known for their versatility and ability to tackle tough terrain with high speed. The Redbone coonhound was one of six hounds developed by American settlers to provide a consistent source of food and fur as American expansion went south and westward. The breed was developed in the South with a large number of them coming specifically from Georgia. Now, a tireless and tenacious pursuer, uh, any of the coonhounds, they're known to never give up the hunt until an animal is treed. While coonhounds might often be portrayed in pop culture as maybe lazy or liabouts, uh, you know, get them out on the trail and nothing could be further from the truth. They were admitted to the AKC Hound Group in 2009. The answer to today's trivia question what is the only mammal that can't jump? It's the elephant. Yes, even while running, the elephant is always going to have at least one foot on the ground at all times. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Andre from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Andre says, Hi, David. I love listening to your podcast. Good stuff. Quick question. My wife doesn't want to crate our puppy. I do. Who's right? <laughs> to the point. I love it. Uh, look, first of all, Andre, I am not getting in between you and your wife here. We're not, we're not playing. I'm not telling you who's right, who's wrong. I'm saying that I'm right and you should crate your dog. Um, <laughs> that's what we're going to keep it as. I'm not saying who's right and wrong here except myself. Uh, no, you, you should be crating your puppy. Absolutely. You know, you got to tell your wife to get on board. Uh, hey, maybe give her the podcast info. Let her listen in. 
uh, you know, I've talked about the crate how many times on here, but yeah, it's so vitally important guys. And this question was obviously appropriate for today's episode. Uh, we had to talk about that because the separation anxiety, right? Uh, it can help solve so many problems, you know, crate training, it solves housebreaking issues. It solves separation anxiety issues. It's a safety standpoint, guys. You don't want your dog chewing something they shouldn't while you're gone. God forbid your puppy chews a wire. I mean, you know, that's like that's the realist, that's the reality of what they could get into. It can seriously harm them, if not kill them. Uh, this is the it's, it's 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 like trying to say, four-year-old, I'm gonna leave you home alone, even though you're four and it's gonna be fine. No, no, it's not. <laughs> okay, so you can't leave your puppies unattended. And I, like I said, it helps solve a, a, just a slew of issues. Okay, so please, yes, please, 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 create your dog, create your puppy. You've got to create your puppy. It's the right thing to do, and there's just more than enough reasons. Next question. This comes from Lauren from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Lauren says, I have a four-month-old golden doodle puppy named Rowdy, who can be a bit rowdy at times, but nothing too crazy, just some puppiness. But what he, he does do one thing I really want him to stop doing. He humps a stuffed toy he has and will also carry it around almost obsessively around the house. How do I get him to stop? Take the toy away. Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, that's the that's the easiest way is just take the toy away. But there is a chance that he'll transfer it onto a different toy and start doing that, or a leg. Look, uh, the best way to do it is to try to redirect the behavior. Okay, so the next time he goes to hump it, yeah, take take it away. Like you know, don't let him keep doing it, and try to distract him with something else. Now. I would recommend working on some basic commands, a sit, a stay, a lie down, go to your spot. Uh, I've talked about commands before, but especially with a young puppy that's four months old, that can be a great way to redirect him off of the uh, off the toy. Teach him a recall. You know, I've talked about the kissing noise, using the kissing noise and calling him rowdy, getting him to come to you, give him a treat. Uh, well before he's humping, you know, set that up. Make the kissing noise, get him to look at you, give him a treat. And that way, once he does go to start humping the toy, you can redirect him with that kissing noise, get a recall, ask him to sit, ask him to stay, run through a couple commands, redirect that focus off of the toy, okay? You run through a couple commands, then you'll stop, let him go, see what he does, right? If he goes back to humping, same thing, we're gonna redirect it, okay? That's what we really wanna try to do is not make a big deal about it because you don't wanna like scold him for it and make it a huge thing, number one, it's a little biological, right? It's a little biology talking there. But it also sounds like he's carrying it around the house obsessively. There's a little more to it than biology. Um, now we have some instinct, some some competition going on, right? He's kind of showing off a little bit. And you don't really want that either. You don't want your dog to be overconfident, too confident. That, that can lead to possessiveness issues. Um, so don't make a big deal about it. Try to redirect his focus and redirect him away from it without taking the toy away. So that way the toy can be there and he learns to leave it alone as opposed as opposed to making it a forbidden fruit, right? You see the difference? We don't want to just take it away because we're never, we're never also, we're, you're never really fixing the problem when you think about it. If you just take the toy away, yeah, he might stop humping, but then if the toy ever comes back, he may go right back. It may even make him more obsessive the next time the toy comes back. So it's better to teach him to leave it there not take it away, not make it forbidden fruit, and teach him to walk away from it and leave it alone. And then, of course, reward that behavior with treats. It starts by just with a recall, redirecting with some basic commands, and going from there, okay? Um, 
you know, if it does become a problem, you can try taking away the toy a little bit. But uh, if he's that obsessive about it, I'd almost say he he would probably transfer it over to something else. You know, uh, that possessiveness will just will just go to a different toy or a different thing. Um, so kind of keep that in mind. But the idea is to try to, again, just redirect that focus away from it. Don't make it a big deal. Don't scold them. Just try to redirect the focus away from humping. <laughs> That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to click that subscribe or follow button. Follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. And I wanted to say a very special thank you to all of my regular listeners all around the world. You guys are incredible. Keep the listener Q&A questions coming at me. Reach out to me. I'm loving connecting with you guys. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Walk your dog.